The Cause of Czechoslovakia is the Cause of the People by Luis Corbelan, General Secretary of the Communist Party of Chile from 1958 to 1990, written August 24, 1968. Introduction Dear comrades of the party, dear comrades of the Young Communist League of Chile, dear supporters, and dear friends, as a result of the events that are taking place at this minute in the center of Europe, specifically in Czechoslovakia, we communists have to face a new offensive from the enemies of the socialist cause. Communism as an ideology, socialism as a system, and our Communist Party of Chile receive heavy fire from the most reactionary groups and, at the same time, criticism from democratic sectors. Well, we come to give our word. We have assumed a clear and resounding position, and this evening we want to present it at this great meeting and for the consciousness of the entire country. We are absolutely convinced of the fairness of our attitude, about which we will speak without any reluctance and without evading pronouncements. We want to start by saying that the events taking place in Czechoslovakia are the cause of profound concern for the communists. We understand that what has occurred is a real tragedy. After 20 years of socialism, this situation has arisen, and it is not exactly a good thing. Certainly, the construction of socialism is a complicated undertaking. It is not marked solely by successes, and these successes are not obtained automatically. It is about a human work whose creators can commit errors and fall into weaknesses. It is clear that in Czechoslovakia, the latter has happened. Despite being this country that started towards socialism with an industrial level relatively developed, its economy is behind. The country did not know how to assimilate the advances of the scientific technological revolution. The country's levels of productivity are low. Hundreds of thousands of workers occupy unprofitable industries to such extreme that if strict economic criteria were applied, many factories would have to be closed, causing the unemployment of some 800,000 workers. As will be understood, such events have their social effects as well as political effects. Section 1. Bureaucratism and Other Effects We should add another background. Even though the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia was already a large party when it took political power in its hands, and even though it was a party deeply linked to the masses and with not inconsiderable experience, over the years it lost a great deal of its virtues. Bureaucratism, arrogance, and other defects of this type outweighed the leadership of the party and the state. And to top it all off, thousands and thousands of their most valuable militants were victims of expulsion, arbitrary persecution, and some were even unjustly executed. This is a painful history. But there is nothing more to remember and take into account to better understand the phenomenon. In Czechoslovakia, they have not resolved, in good form, the problems of national relations between Czechians and Slovakians, the education of the youth in socialism, the incorporation of a woman in the life of political activity, the development of intellectuals linked to the working class, the financial autonomy of companies, nor of socialist democratization. By the way, this is not a question of affirming that socialism has signified nothing for the people of Czechoslovakia, or that they have only committed errors and injustices, 
in any way the liberation of the workers from capitalist exploitation, in other words, the passage of the means of production, factories, and land into the hands of the people, to the hands of all of society, represented in itself immense progress. As a result of this step, there was a redistribution of wealth putting an end to the sharp social contrasts typical of capitalism. The standards of economic life and culture of the Czechoslovakian people is today indisputably higher. Slovakia ceased to be one of the most backward agricultural zones of Europe to become a thriving industrial region. No less significant is the fact that socialist Czechoslovakia has provided great help to China, Cuba, to other socialist countries, to the Arab countries, and to no small number of African states that are forging their independent economies. All this and much more that could be said for this purpose are merits of the communists and of the working class of Czechoslovakia. There is therefore no reason that the liabilities which we have referred to should be charged on account of socialism, as the enemies claim. Section 2. Correction of the Errors However, the defects have weighed decisively. From the very bosom of the Czechoslovakian people emerged at the end of last year a movement aimed at correcting all the wrong. The party echoed the popular demands. The plenary session of last January started to produce changes. Antonin Novotny was removed from his position as Secretary General of the party and later on from his post of President of the Republic. A process of socialist democratization began both in the state and in the party, a process that the Chilean communists have seen with sympathy. We have made this fact present several times and we reiterate it today. We believe that in the interests of the Czechoslovakian people, of the cause of socialism, and of all the communist movements that exist in all of the socialist countries, that they open the gates of democracy in the spirit of Vladimir Lenin. Section 3 the Counter-Revolutionary Offensive Over the course of this process of democratization, reactionary elements have raised their heads in Czechoslovakia that would have liked to take advantage of this banner. Czechoslovakia is a socialist country, where the old exploiting classes only leave the country in negligible amounts, and now the remnants of the old regime jump in the arena, encouraged from outside by North American and West German imperialists, as well as internal links with the agents of these imperialists. The reactionaries, more specifically the counter-revolutionaries, have applied a refined tactic of camouflage burrowing into the movement of socialist democratization with anti-socialist purposes. They have thus reached an influence that, at this particular moment, has put the existence of the regime in danger. Some concrete facts confirm this danger. The principal methods of publication, radio, and television have fallen into the hands of reactionary elements, of revisionists, from which it was carried out the efforts of ideological composition and of attacks on the party and on the Soviet Union. The enemies of socialism entered to create their own organizations or to take refuge in certain clubs. Club 231 became the staff of the counter-revolutionaries. It was presented at the beginning with a plausible purpose, 
that of correcting the unjustified use of the defense law of the Republic that had taken place in the past. But the reactionaries were dominating it until it was converted into a trench of the fascists. The main leaders of this club ended up being ex-bourgeois General Palachuk, the old fascist Brodsky, and the collaborating agents Rambuchek and Chech. There was put in practice a campaign for the dissolution of the workers' militia. This militia is an armed organization of the party created with factory workers. It was born in 1948 with the struggle of the proletariat and of the party to conquer political power. It cannot be said that the reactionaries were aiming for the target since the working class and the weapons in the hands of the working class are the best guarantees for the maintenance and development of socialism. More and more appeared the slogans of the counter-revolutionaries, quote, socialism without communists, unquote, quote, leave the communists out of trade union leadership, unquote. There formed a so-called fair socialist party, in whose manifesto it states verbatim, quote, the law that we will accept must prohibit all communist activity in Czechoslovakia. We will ban the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia and dissolve it, because it is a criminal party." Unquote. Another of the most eloquent facts in respect to where they wanted to lead Czechoslovakia was the campaign that was raised against the defensive treaty of the Warsaw Pact, which constitutes a guarantee for the independence of each one of its signatories. It is not a question only of the Czech reaction. All the international events are affected these days by the exacerbation of North American imperialist aggression and, in Europe, for the rebirth of fascism in Western Germany with a marked spirit of revenge. Nixon, already elected Republican candidate for the presidency of the United States, and Hubert Humphrey, the candidate from the Democratic Party, are representatives of the darkest parts of North American imperialism. And everything indicates that one of them will be the next president. First, Nixon has gone off running his mouth. He has declared his willingness to crush socialist Cuba. Meanwhile, Johnson has said that he will not take any initiative that could lead to peace in Vietnam. These are not simple declarations. They are the confession of a policy and the purpose that encourages Yankee imperialism to continue sowing death in Southeast Asia, to continue killing children, to continue using napalm and incendiary phosphorus, burning villages, and bombing cities in the heroic Vietnamese land. Section 4. The Imperialist Plan the Soviets had revealed the operational plan prepared by the General Staff of the United States Ground Forces in Europe. This revelation was reproduced in El Siglo, the century, a few weeks ago. In such a plan, everything that has to be done to take advantage of any political situation is combined with the goal of tearing Czechoslovakia out of the socialist camp. Yankee imperialism and the West German imperialists have worked in this direction. West Germany, the latter, who borders Czechoslovakia and claims the Czech region's Sudetenland for themselves, has been notoriously active. They have promoted a frankly unusual stream of tourists, quote-unquote. That is to say, they have sent hundreds or thousands of agents 
into Czechoslovakia. They have established contacts with past representatives of capitalism in Czechoslovakia. A correspondence between Wellington Longo, correspondent of the UPI in Bonn, dated the 16th of July, delivers telling dates, surely without intention. It reveals that Walter Schell, leader of the Free Democratic Party of Capitalist Germany, and Karl Blessing, president of the German Federal Bank, were recently in Czechoslovakia on a political and economic mission. The Minister of Foreign Affairs of West Germany, Willy Brandt, has arranged that contacts with the Czechoslovakian Republic be established in a conspiratorial plan, quote-unquote. The transfer of military exercises from the Czech border to the border with France by capitalist Germany and many other instances demonstrate that the German neo-fascists apply a tactic of exaggerated delicacy regarding Czechoslovakia, and not without some success, since on the Czechoslovakian border side they have achieved mines and barbed wire. We do not want to, nor can we compare the situation of a socialist country with a capitalist country in terms of the ease with which it operates. But the fascist coup of Greece, hatched by North American imperialism, shows at least that it acts according to the purpose to keep changing the political map of Europe in their favor. And how can we forget the Hungarian counter-revolution in 1956? It is a proven fact that imperialism put its hands on Hungary's shoulders. The Communist Party of Czechoslovakia announced in the May plenary session that in the process of democratization, the danger from the right emerged as the main threat. However, the corresponding measures were not taken. On the contrary, a policy followed which was plagued with typical features of bourgeois democratization and not of socialist democratization. It was allowed, for example, that the press will publish the quote-unquote 2,000 words document, which has been rightly called the platform of the counter-revolutionaries. In these conditions, ideological and political confusion was created, and the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia lost its cohesion. Section 5. The Bratislava Declaration The meetings held by Czechoslovakians and Soviet citizens in Sierra nad Tisu, which featured Czechoslovakians, Soviets, Germans, Poles, Hungarians, and Bulgarians in Bratislava, gave a ray of hope that the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia would be able to coax counter-revolutionary danger on its own. The Bratislava Declaration was qualified by the reactionaries as a national betrayal, and the party did not address the problem. The party was paralyzed by internal division. Its main national leaders wavered or did not want to go on the offensive against the anti-socialist forces. As for the base, the party as a whole, to compare its situation, you have to take into account the fact that 76% of its intermediate leaders had been removed in recent months, falling into these removals still being more righteous than sinners. The Communist Party of Chile has closely followed the developments of the Czechoslovakian crisis since its inception. Our Central Committee is profoundly convinced that the danger of bourgeois restoration has been real. It is not, however, in a position to measure that danger, to state categorically that it dismissed the possibility of this situation being conjured up by the party itself 
and or the Czechoslovakian people. For this reason, in the statement that our political commission made three days ago, it is stated verbatim, quote, The measurement of the dangers has come from the Czechoslovakian comrades who demanded support from abroad and help from those who provided this support. We, Chilean communists, are not in a position to reject or endorse the assessments made by other communist parties in this regard. It is up to us whether to pronounce on the underlying problem that was raised to a greater or lesser extent. Our attitude to this end is unequivocal. We believe that the reactionary forces cannot be allowed to re-establish capitalism in Czechoslovakia or in any other socialist country. In this sense, we assume the responsibilities that correspond to us. We consider that the problem of maintaining socialism in Czechoslovakia deeply interests the people of that country. The re-establishment of capitalism there would mean the liquidation of all its social conquests and the return to capitalist exploitation. But it is a problem that not only interests the Czechoslovakian people. The triumph of the counter-revolution in Czechoslovakia would be a blow to the force of socialism throughout the world, a very serious threat to the independence of other socialist countries in Europe. It would lead to an increase in imperialist aggressiveness against Vietnam and Cuba, and in this way would lead the world to the Third War. We have no doubt that German imperialism would take up such a situation to modify at least the borders of Czechoslovakia, launch against the Polish borders of the Oder Neisse, and attack the German Democratic Republic. In other words, in our opinion, in Czechoslovakia, the fate of the world has been at stake. The principal problem of peace or war, of the directions that humanity will follow in the coming decades, in these conditions, we have declared and reiterated today that in our opinion, there is no other way than to face the plans of the reactionaries on either side. Other communist parties have appreciated the situation in a different way, estimating that the danger was not of such great magnitude, and others that it was an exclusive matter of the Czechoslovakians. We respect the first opinion, we disagree with the second. We perfectly understand the gravity of the situation created. On the one hand, the international reactionary pack raises its claws and barks against communism. On the other hand, there is a very large discrepancy between the anti-imperialist forces of the whole world and the divergences between the communist parties tend to widen. Section 6. We Trust in Our People We have weighed all of this. Now, in our case, we have believed to place in the foreground what is substantial in communism, the superior interests of the world proletariat and the future of the cause of liberation for the people. Some predict little less than the death of communism, and, with respect to it, of our party. The collapse of these positions has been reached, and they work to destroy us. We can answer them. They make cheerful accounts and perform futile endeavors. We have confidence in our party. We have confidence in our people. The working class knows us, has seen us firm and haughty in times tough, and in mature times as well always faithful to its interests. This is not to make concessions to the misunderstanding of the moment, not to fall into political opportunism. Being guided by the main idea of always placing oneself in the camp opposite to that of the class enemy is respectable for the people, and above all, 
shows an understanding for the workers. I want to tell you about a case. Two days ago, a group of our brave boys of the Communist Youth of Chile, students of the Pedagogical Institute of the University of Chile, were cornered by the fascists of finance, who were in a much greater number and made hostile demonstrations in front of the Soviet embassy. To hell with them, our members made their way to a building located in front of the embassy headquarters. They told the workers that they were communists and that the reactionaries were trying to raid the home of the Soviet diplomats. Hearing this and the workers taking to the streets was only one thing. The reactionaries had to take those of Villadego. This has raised the problem of non-interventionism. In relation to it, the waters must be separated. Who believes that Mr. Johnson, the U.S. imperialists, the Bonn Nazis, the National Party reactionaries, the pigs of finance, who is to believe that they defend the principles of non-intervention and the right to the self-determination of the people? Only fools. Section 7. Forecast of the Interventionists The record of the imperialist intervention is nurtured and bloody. Yesterday in Mexico, Colombia, Nicaragua, Santo Domingo, yesterday and today in Cuba, and in almost all Latin American countries, in Korea, in Vietnam, in the Congo, on all continents, the Yankee imperialists, those who now gargle with non-intervention, have shown themselves for what they are, assailants of the masses of people. And now they have the audacity, the cynicism, to come to speak of the right of self-determination of the people of Czechoslovakia. Give that bone to another dog. Those who went to throw stones at the Soviet embassy in Santiago, members of the reactionary and finance parties led by Deputy Monkenberg, have never moved a finger or uttered a word against the acts of the intervention of imperialism. These friends of the 11th hour of the Czechoslovakian people are not truly such. In some cases, they are international bandits and accomplices of the worst robberies in other cases. The tears that this crowd sheds are crocodile tears. It is clear in this regard that there are other people who have expressed opinions that deserve different consideration. Section 8. It's about defending socialism. We are for non-intervention and for the right of the peoples to determine for themselves their own destinies. But let us not be dazzled by words. Here, in regards to Czechoslovakia, it is about the defense of a worker state, of a socialist state, which is threatened from within and from without by those who wish to reestablish capitalist exploitation there. The principle of non-intervention has emerged to protect the peoples from imperialism and to encourage their independent progress. This is its essence. And for this, there are the military forces of the Soviet Union and its allies. When the imperialist powers send their troops to other countries, they do so to protect their private property, their investments, and to prevent the peoples from taking the path of socialism. This is interventionism. This is the essence of the interventionist policy of imperialism. When the Soviet Union has been obliged, in one case or another, to send troops out of its territory, it has always done so in a completely different sense, not to export the revolution, but to prevent the export of a counter-revolution. In this specific case, it is only to help the Czechoslovakian people to save their socialist regime, guided by such purposes 
that led to their proletarian actions in Hungary in 1956 and now today in Czechoslovakia in 1968. Section 9. The Case of Spain Thirty years ago, Republican Spain, the popular front government that the Spanish people gave themselves, was the target of the counter-revolutionary uprising of Franco and Company, which was closely linked with the world domination plans of fascist imperialism, Hitler, and Mussolini. Well, in those years, the flag of non-intervention was raised. And who raised it? Capitalist England and France, mainly the English government, which soon afterward forged the infamous Munich Pact that delivered Czechoslovakia into the jaws of Hitler Germany. So was it really about non-intervention? Of course not. At that time, the flag of non-intervention was a smokescreen to cover up and protect the real interference, the concrete intervention of Germany and Italy in control of the Spanish people. Much of this is in the Czechoslovakian case. Crossing our arms there, clinging to the pure, abstract concept of non-intervention without taking into account the concrete reality would, in our opinion, mean freeing the field for counter-revolution and ultimately for imperialism. The trees do not prevent us from seeing the forest. Section 10. The Right to Self-Determination Some have presented the problem as if the goal that led to the Soviet Union and other socialist countries to send troops to Czechoslovakian soil was to prevent socialist democratization and to impose a return to the past. Such an objective would indeed be intervention, but we are absolutely convinced that that purpose does not exist. The right to self-determination of the Czechoslovakian people regarding the form of construction of socialism is not in question. There are those who pose this question in good faith, and others who pose this question in a hypocritical way. Who can believe that the Mercury or the National Party are movingly concerned about the course of socialist democratization by the socialist forms that Czechoslovakia adopts. We are convinced that the Czechoslovakian people will continue to build socialism taking into account the specific characteristics of their country. The Soviets and their allies have declared it, and so have the diligent Czechoslovakians who called for their help. We would like to add for our part that we consider the diversity of forms of socialist construction to be absolutely legitimate and natural. In this sense, we respect the different forms of building socialism in Romania, Cuba, Korea, Yugoslavia, and other countries. Section 11. Our Unitary Policy In relation to Chile, we also want to reaffirm our position in the sense that we will continue fighting for a socialist-communist understanding for the understanding of the broadest democratic forces, both in the period of the struggle for the conquest of a popular government and in the exercise of power under such a government, as well as later at the stage when we have to fully enter into the construction of socialism. In other words, we participate in the pluralist conception of society and uphold the basic principle of fulfilling the vanguard role of the proletariat and the party on the basis of leadership shared by all sectors that are in favor of building socialism. They continue their wishes with the reality of those reactionaries who predict the eternal dispersion of the forces of the people, the impossibility of an alliance between the parties and currents of the left as a consequence of the events in Czechoslovakia. 
we have devoted much attention to the pronouncements of the various political parties. Abstractions are made from the party of the reactionaries and from the occasional archaic individual voice of someone in that party. In the statements of the other political groups, there is on one hand discrepancy, criticism or condemnation, and on the other hand, a voice of responsibility and concern in relation to problems that are of interest to all democratic forces. These forces and problems are necessary to understand. We Chilean communists are ecstatic about the opinion that our allies of the Socialist Party have expressed on the case in Czechoslovakia, as well as the opinions of the People's Socialist Union, the Social Democratic Party, the Radical Party, and of Christian democracy. We are open to dialogue on this matter, and above all, to discussion, to search for paths, and to joint action around the problems that most interest our people and our country, around the need to surge forth with the revolutionary transformations that need to be operated urgently and deeply in Chilean society. Section 12. Addressing the Facts It is clear that ultra-shareholders, and in particular imperialism, try and capitalize on the different positions taken in the face of the case we comment on. We will do our best not to entertain their games, any ideological struggle, any political discussion that needs to be addressed within the people must be developed at the level of fraternity and must include constructive criticism of ideas without any prejudiced qualifications. We want to tell the country that the position taken by the Communist Party of Chile, which consists in sticking together with the attitude adopted by the Communist Parties of the Soviet Union, German Democratic Republic, Polish People's Republic, Hungarian People's Republic, and Bulgarian People's Republic does not mean that we are absolutely in agreement with all the steps that have been taken. For example, we have expressed our agreement with the concern expressed by these parties in the Warsaw Pact, but not with the entire content of their issued statement. Furthermore, in the situation in Czechoslovakia, there is an immediate issue, a problem of the moment, but there is also a deeper and longer standing issue at stake. We have asked ourselves, what was done, and not only by the Czechoslovakians, during the past two decades to avoid the mistakes that led to the crisis of the present? These are problems which we will have to open wide discussion about in the communist movement. We have very fraternal, very open, very frank relationships with the Communist Party of the Soviet Union and with many other communist parties. We have made our opinions known to you, and we will continue to make them known in the future on this and on any matter about which we have an observation or a different word, even if it is only in one or another aspect. For right now, it seems to us that this is not the main thing, but as they say in Chile, to stand up and deal with the events that have occurred, having as a compass the need to always confront imperialism. Section 13. There are things that are clear. Comrades, we are aware of the complexity of the problem. We know that, at least at this moment, there are things that are not clear enough. As is understandable, we do not have all the elements of judgment. But there are matters that are clear about which we want to underline our thinking. First of all, we want to draw the attention of the party and of our Communist Youth League to the fact that it is most likely that the anti-communist offensive is only in its beginnings. It is presumed that the adversary puts all their resources into play, 
fires up all their advertising weapons and whips up their bulldogs for the purpose of beating up our party. They know very well what the Communist Party of Chile signifies, and they will want to take advantage of this moment to undermine our prestige before the masses with the goal of hindering the understanding of the popular forces to lead the entire popular movement to the cliff. You have to put on your hard leather and face the enemy with pride. Affirmed in our ideological principles and our line of masses, we will stand firm and united, together with the working class, now more than ever, with our heads held high and the voice of the party held high. In the face of the reactionary offensive, we Chilean communists press ranks and we will never give up our ear. Those otherwise sane people who may have given credit to the preaching of some foul-mouthed people from this country who presented the communists as soft and reformist, while exhibiting themselves as champions of the world revolution, will have the ability to draw better conclusions. They will see us, the communists, in times of trial with the energy and courage of true revolutionaries. Meanwhile, those slanderers are either under their beds or screaming about the Soviet Union. Section 14. Our country will emerge stronger. It is not the first time in history that we have faced a similar situation. Whether it was the war in Finland, the German-Soviet non-aggression pact, throughout the period of the Second World War, during the hardest stage of the Cold War, during the Korean War, or in the days of the Hungarian counter-revolution in 1956, our party, our dear Communist Party, was the target of the most cunning attacks. But we were successful in those tests. Those difficult moments that we lived through were temporary. The party emerged stronger from each of these episodes because it faced them united and with revolutionary determination. And so it will happen again now. Many people have joined the party in the last years, and our Communist Youth League has had extraordinary growth. We trust these new militants, we trust our communist youth. The integrity with which the party deals with this situation matches the courage and generosity of young people. Secondly, we call on the entire party, all young communists, all friends and supporters of communism, to be guided by the essential principles of Marxism-Leninism. Whatever the assessment of one or another aspect of the Czechoslovakian phenomenon, it must be taken into account that the construction of socialism is first and foremost the historical mission of the working class, and that, at the least, the wheel was slipping from its hands with the serious risks that that entails. Reactionaries and right-wing revisionists demanded the restoration of the parties of the bourgeoisie. They demanded elections controlled by England, the United States, France, and Italy. They called for boycotts and strikes against the power of the party. They even demanded its liquidation. At the same time, putting Club 231 into the foreground, the club hostile to the party, as well as other haunting activities of the counter-revolutionaries. In this way, they came to prepare an assault on the headquarters of the Party Central Committee in Prague. We are, we already said, for socialist democratization. And this implies that the working class and the people exercise their power in even broader and more effective terms. The rest is bourgeois democratization and leads to the restoration of capitalism. Let nobody forget this. Section 15. Do not lose sight of the enemy. In the third place, 
To get your bearings, you must never lose sight of your main enemies. What is good for imperialism will never be good for the toiling peoples. The imperialist forces were precisely pushing Czechoslovakia towards the repudiation of the Warsaw Pact and towards a type of democracy not exactly socialist. Czechoslovakia is pushed not ultimately towards democracy, but rather a terrorist dictatorship. A cartoon from the daily newspaper The Last Hour, which the Century reproduced this morning, paints the situation very well. In that cartoon, titled A Failed Trap, a girl representing Czechoslovakia comes sliding down an incline to fall into the jaws of Uncle Sam, but the hands of the Soviet Union stand up and save the girl. Uncle Sam says in the cartoon, they have left me with an empty stomach. Things had reached such an extreme that a television crew from West Germany, from German imperialism, had installed itself in the offices of the television in Prague. They broadcasted from there, greatly rejoicing in all that was out of hand in the Czechoslovakian events. The North American press, the capitalist press from all over the world, including the Mercury from Santiago, had made certain Czechoslovakian leaders who showed conciliation with the class enemy their favorite heroes and emphasized the anti-Soviet aspects of the situation created. One of the facts that produces the exacerbation of the maneuvers of imperialism is undoubtedly the victorious development of the struggle of the people of Vietnam and their growing isolation as a consequence of the crimes committed there against them. In Vietnam, the United States continues to take its chances with the use of force, but the patriotism, the bravery, the intelligent acts of the Vietnamese leaders, and the help that these people receive from the Soviet Union and other socialist countries leads to the defeat of imperialism, hence their desperate eagerness to strike back in one direction or another. We have said that in the ranks of the revolutionaries, there is no unanimity to appreciate what is happening in Czechoslovakia. We want, however, to leave it clear that we feel a legitimate revolutionary pride because our position fully coincides with the positions taken by those who are in the first line of fire in the fight against imperialism, our heroic Vietnamese, Cuban, and Korean comrades. We have the well-founded hope that the Czechoslovakian problem will be solved soon and in the best way possible. We trust, as well as the Soviet Union and other socialist countries that act alongside of her, in the healthy forces of communism and in the working class and in the people of Czechoslovakia. We want to reaffirm the concept of the program and the entire political line of our party, which are of a very wide range. They assert themselves above all in the interests and forces of the proletariat and invariably aim against imperialism. As I finish this act and this speech, allow me in such a dramatic moment, which is a hard test for the communists, to invite them to sing from their soul the immortal hymn of communism. Luis Corbalan, August 24th, 1968.